Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network. This is Patrick Honeywell. Today, my special guest is the creator and founder of Mangio with Michelle, Michelle Di Pietro, cookbook author, food writer, menu and recipe developer, professional chef, and culinary consultant. On today's podcast, we discuss Michelle's innovative cookbook titled Soupified, which features soup recipes inspired by your favorite dishes, such as eggplant parmesan, clams casino, chicken marsala, lasagna, and Philly cheesesteak. Dishes transformed into hearty soups. So let's get ready to ditch the dish and embrace the bowl. Hey, Michelle, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to talk to you. Hey, I'm excited. I, I'm the one that just did one of your recipes recently that we'll talk about in just a minute, and it was amazing. So, oh, ooh, I, yeah, I'm super excited. So listen, <laughs> um, <laughs> for people that, that haven't uh, been following you yet, I mean, you have a lot of followers. It's really, really, uh, you have so many, you have a great Instagram account. You've got a super website, which I just went through heavy last night uh, to get ready for the show. And it's amazing. So we'll talk a bit about each, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a chef? Let's see. Well, I didn't start out as a chef. I started out my career as a CPA. I was an auditor. I was an accounting major in, in college. But, you know, let's just back up a little bit more before that. I, I came from an fairly traditional Italian-American family. You know, all four grandparents were immigrants uh, in early turn of the century. And so food was obviously, food and cooking was a big part of my life. I had a stay-at-home mom and I started cooking with her side by side when I was about five years old. I Presumably because I really love to eat. <laughs> you know, so it, it was just a very comfortable space for me. So I, and actually when you asked me when I was a little girl, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to say a chef, but I didn't really go in that direction. You know, I didn't really have family in the food industry and I was also very into academics. So I never really considered food as a career until I was in a career that I just wasn't very passionate about. And, uh, you know, although I don't regret it because actually working um, for such a big company, a public accounting firm gave me the opportunity to live in Switzerland for two years in my mid twenties, which I, I do have to say was very, you know, life defining for me in terms of just opening my eyes and taste buds to so many more, more foods, um, having had the opportunity to, tr to travel all over Europe at a very young age. And it also gave me the courage to come back when I came back to the States to change my career. And I basically did a complete 180 and I went to cooking and I enrolled in cooking school awesome. in, in Philadelphia, hmm. moved back in with my parents. I was 27 years old <laughs> and moved back in because I wasn't going to be making any money. And uh, that was fine because it was just you know meant to be a short term. And and that was it really. I mean, I, I, well, I say that was it. Obviously, it was a long, thoughtful process to get to that point. But my intention was not to really work in restaurants. And I knew that going in. Like, I, I knew that that wasn't my calling. I thought that maybe I would go into the specialty food industry and that I could combine my business background with food in some way. So I figured going to cooking school was the best way to figure all that out. So I didn't actually open up my own store, but I did end up working in the specialty and natural foods industry for a really long time hmm. um, in retail food. I actually worked for a small company called Whole Foods Market. You might've heard of oh, them. Oh, very, very small, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and I was with them for a really long time and I really I really loved it. And um, and eventually there, you know, there were a couple of, uh, career changes along the way. And then I eventually went out on my own. And um, back in 2015, I started consulting as an independent culinary consultant. 
And so I still do that, but somewhere along the line, I also, um, well, let's, let's put it this way. When you're an independent consultant, there are peaks and valleys in terms of how busy you are. And during one of the times when I wasn't that busy, I started Manja with Michelle, which was my, let's say, dedication to my, the, this, the, the very, the side of me that's very, very passionate about everything and anything Italian, Italian food, Italian ingredients, um, culture, and all that kind of stuff. And um, that's how I got to Manja with Michelle. So, well, Manja, now that means eat, right? Or food? Does. food? Okay. That, I like it's perfect. Mangiare is the, the verb to eat. Mangiare. Okay. okay. That sounds more Italian. That sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's apparent you, when I look at your website and I look at, uh, and I've have your book, your cookbook is, is killer. Um, you obviously have a love of food and sharing food and, and it's, it's really interesting to see that you do a lot of really great foods, but you started leaning or maybe you lean a bit to soup and it's national <laughs> soup month, right? So what the heck? Let's talk about soup just a bit. It is national soup month. Well, I've always loved making soup. And in fact, I think when I first got into the professional side of the industry and food service, one of the things I used to make a lot of was soup. I worked in um, a grocery store mm -hmm. and we used to make the soup that we sold in-house and I would be making 20, 30 gallons of soup at a time. And it was just one of those things that I learned how to make over and over again, really, really well. Not to say, of course, I grew up making soup with my mom, but we're talking about like more innovative and uh, different soups than what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always had said since then that if somebody knows how to make soup, then they know how to cook because soup is, if you are able to basically open up your pantry or open up your refrigerator and know you want to make, you know, you're in the mood for soup and you're able to put a soup together, then you know, that means you know how to cook. It's, it's a basic, it's a very basic fundamental technique. It does require like some creativity for sure, for sure. Uh, for you sure. know, de depending on what kind of soup you're going to make. And you know, being someone who's in the industry and who's a chef, I think probably every every food service professional has a dream of writing their own cookbook. So it's something that I had thought about for many, many years, mm -hmm. but I always let work and life get in the way. You know, I always worked a very demanding job and never really made time for it. And then come 2020 <laughs> and my consulting hey. basically just like everything just stopped because I basically work with food service, restaurants, that kind of stuff. Everything just stopped. And I had a lot of time and I'm in a New York city apartment with no outdoor space. And we were being told to not leave. <laughs> so I had, this, I'm like, all right, well, maybe, maybe I'll do an ebook. And to me, an ebook in my mind, for whatever reason, just meant like a PDF of maybe five recipes that I would like put together and maybe sell on my website, which wasn't ready yet, by the way, my website that is. But then like everything else I do, I can't do anything small. <laughs> so one thing led to another. And like, I started to, you know, just brainstorm all different types of soups. And um, then I learned about, you know, what it would take to put a printed book together. And then I ended up doing the soup cookbook. Soupified, soups and Inspired by your favorite dishes. Yes. That's an amazing, I don't think I've seen anything like quite like that, you know? It's nothing like it. Yeah. But <laughs> it is know, the first of its kind. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about soup versus stew. A stew is not a soup, but a stew is soup-like, mm -hmm. right? So a stew could very easily be made into a soup with smaller pieces and more liquid. Okay. So okay. there, I said, I said it. People That's... might, people might disagree with it, but, <laughs> <laughs> which is why actually... I didn't choose any soup-like dishes for soupified. Gotcha. So let me just back up a little bit. Soupified, 
soups inspired by your favorite dishes is a, is a cookbook of recipes of soup recipes that were based on non soup dishes. So Mm -hmm. every recipe in the book is a soup version that you can eat with a spoon of a classic dish that you recognize not in soup form. For example, lasagna, chicken marsala, shrimp scampi, even, even insalata caprese or choice baked potato. So things that you are familiar with, but they were turned into a soup. And I intentionally, when I was brainstorming recipes for the book, I didn't choose any dishes that were already kind of soup-like, like stew, because I just felt like it wasn't a big enough leap. It wasn't going to be interesting enough to me. That was, you know, that, that was my take on it. Now, in terms of soup as an entree versus soup as like a, I guess, a first course or a smaller first course, this book um, of recipes, Soupified, is definitely not the consommes of the world. <laughs> it's not It's not the soups that you eat before a different meal. These soups are meant to be the full meal. They are meal, meals in and of themselves. They are total comfort food recipes. They are hearty. They have a lot of elements and taste and textures. And you eat that for your meal and you don't really need to eat anything else. In fact, when I was figuring out portion sizes, you know, I figured probably closer to one and a half to two cups per portion size, mm-hmm. because that's what people are going to eat of this. And then they're going to be done. Well, you know, and, and it's amazing. It's true. I, I actually grabbed that book, got the book in really excited. My wife and I looked at it. I said, okay, okay, pick two that you'd like me to make. Cause I want to make something before I talk to Michelle and do the podcast. And she, she looks at, she goes, these aren't soups. I go, no, 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 they're, they're soups. <laughs> she goes, but Okay. So she, cause they look like, you know, they're, they're read out like a main course, but they're right. supified, you know? So it's really cool. And she said, and she picked a couple and we determined to do the shrimp scampi, which is on page 22. All and right. I have to tell you, it's so funny. So she, she comes home, she starts, I made it. And there's a lot of cool elements uh, in that book. And, and you introduced me to the garlic confit. I've never done that before. Well, you've never done that. I've never done. I'm so, stu- I, oops. I mean, no, no. I am so bad, you know, and, and, cause it's so, you, it's so it's, wonderful. It's so wonderful. It's so yeah. crazy intense. And it's it's a simple process, which makes a ton of sense. And I have a bottle of it in glass. Like you said, store it in glass in the refrigerator right now. I'm <laughs> excited. So I made this, Michelle, and, and my wife is tasting it. And, you know, and she's going, oh, it's good. And it's good. It's good. She ended up saying, this is really good. I really like this probably 30 times. I finally said, hey, okay, okay, whatever. And I'm being honest with you because she, and she is soup crazy. You know, I mean, she, she, we do moqueca. She's from Brazil. So I'll, I'll make moqueca, which is more stew-like. Very nice. But anyway, it, it is so good. And what I like too, is that you, when you do your recipes, they're laid out really clearly, really good. Um, the ingredients are awesome. And every, the step-by-step is simple to follow, um, but it's, the technique is awesome. It's excellent. So anyway, we well, done No, I mean, I appreciate you saying that because I spent a lot of time on that. And I, I do think that because I spent a career in recipe development on the professional level, but I also throughout my career did many, many recipes for the home cook as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that I, that is something that I've honed over the years. However, when I did the cookbook, I still needed to tweak it because writing for a cookbook is very different than writing for a professional kitchen. Definitely. And uh, I did spend a lot of time. So that means a lot to me. I really wanted to make it as easy as possible, even though some of the soups might seem intimidating because there is a long ingredient list. They really aren't intimidating. It's a very, every soup really has a very simple technique and it's really the same technique over and over again. And once you make a couple of soups from the book, you'll realize that, yeah, you know what? You do always kind of start out the same way mm-hmm. and you, you, you know, you build the flavors the same way. Well, the list is fairly long. I mean, there's there's a lot of good things, but as I look closer at it, 
I didn't want to eliminate anything because it all made sense. It all looked really good. I thought, forget it. So I went to the store and got a couple simple things, even like a red bell pepper. I mean, come on. Who doesn't have that in their house? I didn't at the time. But, and I, but I have tons of garlic, uh, lots of lemons. But it was very refreshing, just amazing. So, uh, and then it's interesting because just to segue for just a moment, I went to your website. Sure. And I was looking at the recipes there and the way it's laid out because I know I was going to ask you about soups. What's trending now in soups? What's going on? Um, in in the industry or in the world or whatever, and you have a section uh, trending. So you're actually keeping an eye on things that are trending, and your recipes on your website are also excellent. Very beautiful photos, spelled out really really well, clear. And I kind of found a a home a little bit in your website, <laughs> in your book, because I need inspiration as a chef too. I'm on the pastry side, but it's any I love to cook, so I dig it. It was really cool. Thank you. The the website is new. I just launched the website in October and I'm continually, you know, adding content to it and learning how to add content like better and faster. And I, I still have, to be honest, I still have a lot to learn about, especially on the back end of the website. Mm. Um, and I will say for the website, I am focusing more on, for the most part, on the Italian American classics. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think this is one of the things that you had asked me previously, is like, what kinds of recipes do your your followers ask for. And most of the recipes that people ask about and that get the most um, comments and engagement and excitement are the classic Italian American recipes mm. and things like Italian wedding soup or pasta fagioli, minestrone, that kind of thing. Gotcha. You know, and when you say trending, um, you know, I admit that I'm not quite as on top of the food trends as I have been for most of my career. I've gotten a little bit off track since focusing so much on blogging. Um, but trending, you know, it's, it's very seasonal, you know, so you, you obviously you have the holidays and then you're now you're in January. So it's, it's really, well, I know you're in Southern California, but it is in the teens today. It is 12 degrees right now in New York city. How about some so soup? Is, <laughs> yeah. So it is cold. So you, you want to eat heartier soup. So that's when like the pasta and beans come out, you know, that is when, um, things that are a little bit heartier and stick to your ribs sort of come out, you know, but bigger picture trends in the industry, um, Everything, a lot of things are about functional food. Like what about, what else can you get, you know, what, fun, what help, what functions nutritionally do does you know, do the, do these um, dishes bring to you? You great know, so point. that's why it's good to have great nutrient dense foods like mm-hmm. dark leafy greens or beans, or even, I mean, I, I'm a big user of miso. You might've found that out in um, throughout my book. I use miso in a different couple of different ways. And obviously that has health benefits. And just a lot of vegetables in general, I would say, plant-based. I mean, I don't do that much plant-based because it's not really uh, what my my custom, my followers are, are seeking right now. But I do cook a lot of plant-based at home as well. Well, you know, I'm going to go back to your recipe really quickly because uh, I was thinking about uh, on the shrimp scampi soup. And, and a lot of times when you look at a soup recipe, it'll say, you know, use uh, this, in this case, it's a seafood. Use seafood right. stock or chicken stock or vegetable stock. And I use chicken stock. But what would you say the difference overall would be using between the fish and the chicken? Obviously, the fish stock will be heavier with the seafood kind of a flavor and, a, you know, the overall feel. Um, I asked because I didn't have a chicken stock. I mean, excuse me, a, a seafood stock. I use sometimes Ina Garter, you know, the, the chef. She's, sure. got, she's got a cool seafood uh, stock recipe. And I'll use that even when I do a clam chowder. I'll use her because it's really, uh, it's got some good stuff. It's really so deep you'll make flavor. this you'll make the seafood stock before you make that soup. Yeah, and I'll use her yeah. seafood stock, and I'll use a different clam chowder recipe, but I use it as her the stock, and right. it's powerful, a lot of flavor. 
Yeah. I mean, getting back to stock is a really great topic. And it's the very first thing that you learn in cooking school is the importance of stock and how to make stock properly. And the, the differences in the underlying, or I should say in the finished soup, depending on what kind of soup it is, are probably going to be subtle, mm-hmm. you know, but if you use a seafood stock, if you use a stock that you make with shrimp shells, which I admit that I did not when I developed this recipe because I was in um, crunch mode and I didn't stop to make my own stock, but it will just be so much better. You know, I mean, if you, if you take the shrimp shells that you purchased for the shrimp, for the shrimp scampi soup, and you take the time to make a little bit of uh, shellfish stock essentially, and then use that as the liquid, it is going to have a more intense and a better shrimp flavor. Having said that, it doesn't mean it's going to have a bad flavor with seafood. I'm sorry, with vegetable or chicken broth. Mm -hmm. It just won't be as intensely shrimpy. Got you, that, got you. If that, if that makes sense. Well, and most people won't probably stop and make uh, seafood stock. You know, they'll probably just go ahead and put in some seafood stock from a container or a chip stock, unless they want to go for it heavy. So, um, like a base. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's also difficult. You don't find as much ch- seafood stock to purchase out there, and and what you do is probably very, very heavily salted, which is the downside. The good thing about making, not to get off on a stock. Yeah, I love stock. I love to make, stock. To make <laughs> to make fish and seafood stock doesn't take very long. To make beef stock or chicken stock, especially beef stock, takes hours and hours oh, and hours man. seafood or shellfish actually takes you could do it in two hours at, at the at the at the most and the beef stock are you doing you cracking the bone doing the marrow thing with the tomatoes or roasting i'm not heavy personally cracking yeah i'm not personally cracking the bone <laughs> <laughs> I, I will buy bones in fact i made beef stock last weekend and i, nice. I let it go seven and a half hours and it could have gone longer i did seven and a half hours and i just made oh, a wonderful beef mushroom soup with quinoa it was really killer Let's talk about soups around the world a little bit. When you mentioned that you worked um, at Whole Foods and when you yeah. develop soups or do you like to do a theme like from Italy or Spain or France, you know, what are they doing out there in the world in soups? Well, I mean, I haven't, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we always were wanting, when I worked there, we were always looking, innovation was a big buzzword for us. So we were always looking to bring innovation into the menu planning. And a lot of that time, the innovation was through developing international kind of soups. For example, um, what's that Portuguese kale and sausage soup? Like Caldo Verde, for example. Yeah, I should know. You know I'm not, necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily like innovative in Portugal because it's like, it's like your everyday chicken piscina in, in Portugal, but you know, it, it would be innovative bringing that to the, to the US. And then what we might do is we might do a whole Portuguese, I'm giving you an example, not mm-hmm. that we actually did this, a whole Portuguese food set in the prepared foods to kind of complement that. You know, we might run that for like a month or so. Mm-hmm. Wow. We we also really looked at heavily at the holidays, like again coming around to Super Bowl or football Sundays. What would people like? For, um, I actually think that the twice baked loaded potato soup that's in Supify is a great example of something that would work during Super Bowl. Yeah, and mm. actually, I mean, I plan out my social media that way, right? I mean, I was interesting. Yeah, you know, what what are people? What are you know? There's Sunday Sunday football or Monday football? I don't even know what football's on. Now wait or a minute, I, I've got your book right here, Michelle. What page is that? Twice baked stuffed potato soup on? I'm gonna hold. Well, on. that's actually in the pork section because there's bacon in it. Okay, okay, yeah, there it is. Twice baked loaded. It's a twice baked loaded potato with bacon. Awesome. It's it's not your like that. That's a great example of not an everyday soup. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. but I, I never said that this cookbook was full of, you know, like the, the low calorie soups. Like it's not, this is a comfort food cookbook. Yeah. So the twice baked loaded potato soup with bacon, it tastes like you're eating a, a twice baked potato with a spoon. 
Well, I don't think anybody has ever done a book like this. I don't think they have, have they? No have one has done a book like this. No, because obviously I did my research beforehand. Not to <laughs> say, and I write about this, you know, actually, if you read the introduction, uh, I, I write about this. There's nothing, there's very little that's original out there. You know, there's, there's, everything has been done before. And I am certainly not the first person to have ever come up with a lasagna soup. I would never say that. There are many, many lasagna soups out there on the internet. But what makes a recipe special is the person who's creating it and, and writing it and documenting it and sharing it. They, they always put their own twist on it, whatever mm -hmm. that little twist is. And in my case, obviously, I, I put my twist on the recipes, but then I also put them in this unique collection where there is a collection of a, a cookbook now of super fine recipes. But yeah, I mean, if you probably most of the recipes, you know, you could probably find other, other similar recipes like that on the internet, but not mm -hmm. necessarily. Well, you know, not, not all me, of them. Yeah. Let me ask you. So if we have, if we want to superfy something, uh, I think of leftovers sometimes. I look in my fridge, mm -hmm. maybe I've got a hunk of lasagna, you know, some leftover. Maybe I've got <laughs> a couple pieces of chicken that I baked sitting right there. If you're, if you're going to superfy something you've got, give us a couple of examples on reaching into your fridge and if you took, we'll make it kind of simple, I think. A lot of people make chicken and have leftovers. So let's say you have leftover chicken. You take that chicken out and you look around in your pantry. What do you take and, and build a soup for us real quick? All right. Well, you've asked me two different things. That's how right. To make, how to make a soup <laughs> from your pantry and then have a soupify. And I will be ah, honest. okay. When I soupify, it's okay. definitely not from just leftovers. Soup, like when I, when I soupify a dish, mm -hmm. it is a very planned out process. That is very, that is like, basically I, let's, let's talk about that first. How would you okay. soupify an, a dish that is not soup? You know, and the first thing is you really have to understand the original dish, you know, you become deeply intimate with the underlying dish, dissect its most significant flavors and textures and decide which are the most significant and those that would need to be present in the final soupified version. You know, ask yourself, does the underlying dish have enough substantial ingredients to make up a soup? For example, I had to toyed around with the idea of making um, a cacio e pepe soup. But with so few ingredients, like which are basically pasta, pecorino, romano cheese, and black pepper, it really wouldn't have made sense as a soup. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing to consider is like, we actually talked about this earlier, is the dish already soup-like? And if so, pick something else. Mm -hmm. And then decide, well, should it, okay, so you pick your dish, but should it be soupified? You're not going to soupify uh, a tuna salad sandwich, you know? <laughs> you want to you soupify <laughs> something that will actually be, you know, pleasant to eat and interesting and enjoyable in soup form. And then you have to plan out every detail and ingredient of the soupified version before heading into the kitchen. So should it be brothy, pureed, thick, thin, chunky, hearty, light, hot, or cold? And these decisions should be based on the characteristics of the underlying dish. Um, so if it's a hot dish that you are soupifying, the final soup would be hot. However, there is one, there is one thing, um, soup recipe in my book, which is the baba ganoush soup, which is actually the, I think the only plant-based soup, delicious um, pureed soup based on, you know, the Middle Eastern dip baba ganoush, which is, which is smoky eggplant and tahini. That is a cold dip, right? But the soup for that is actually hot. Um, and, and then, you know, if, if you are going to make it a thick soup, how should it be thickened? Like with a roux or by pureeing and, um, and for the most part, the ingredients in the superfied dish should not veer off from the underlying dish. There's a couple of exceptions. Like I did add a few things to the crab cake soup that are not necessarily like traditional crab cake. I think I think I had the bell peppers in it. And then the last thing to really consider is the texture. And um, like, for example, 
the eggplant parm soup, which is a delicious flavor. So fairly easy to replicate that flavor, but how do you get that crispiness from the fried eggplant? And so that's why I put the fried cheesy breadcrumbs as a topping for the soup. So, you know, I mean, I planned out these things and I really thought them through in detail before I even headed into the kitchen. Um, that's, how, that's how I supify. Um, but when you're looking in your pantry or your refrigerator and you're like, gee, I have these leftovers, I wanna make something, that's where the creativity comes into play. And that's where just knowing the technique of how to make a soup in general mm -hmm. helps out. Because for the most part, you always start off with, I've got for the most part, there's lots of different ways, but I always start off with some fat in a pan, whether it's butter or olive oil. For me, it's almost always olive oil. And then I saute some aromatics, usually carrots, onion, celery, garlic, maybe some herbs, maybe some crushed red pepper. And and then I kind of go from there. So if it's a rotisserie chicken in the refrigerator, you can easily make a delicious soup by then adding some broth, maybe adding some other flavorings to the broth, like miso or tomato paste or pureed garlic confit. Mm, I love um, that. Yeah. I mean, adding maybe some pasta to give it a little like body. And, and then you just, you already have cooked chicken. So you kind of just, add, you know, fold in the chicken at the very end. And, um, you can do this, you know, I guess if you have a bunch of roasted vegetables or grilled vegetables, you can make a, you know, throw them in a pot with some broth and then puree them and maybe add a little cream and you've got a beautiful roasted vegetable soup. I was going to ask you about cream. I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes uh, you'd have like a cream of mushroom or cream of broccoli, asparagus. Yeah. How often do you use cream or do you, how do you feel about cream in a soup? I am pro cream in a soup. I don't personally use it a ton because I just try and watch my you know, calories and saturated fat, mm -hmm. but you don't have, you know, the great thing about adding cream to a soup, unless it's a cream of soup where really the intention is for it to be creamy, creamy soup, you often don't need to add a lot of cream mm -hmm. for a big pot of soup. So in the long run, it's not like that big of a deal. For example, the lasagna soup, which I have to say is one of my most popular recipes, which I actually just posted about today on social media that does, I do put a little bit of cream, but it's this, I think it's a half a cup of cream for like a big pot of like 12 servings or something like that. And it's just enough to bring everything together and thicken it. And the great thing about working with cream is you don't have to be as delicate with it. The cream is hearty. It's, it's a very high fat content. So you could bring the boil, the, the soup up to a boil or a, like a simmer or a boil and it won't break. So it's actually very easy to work with and it does add a lot. Yeah. I love cream. I love cream and, um, you know, we're, this might veer off a little bit, but I have to ask because I just made mashed potatoes the other day. Do you, do you like to make mashed potatoes? Of course. Do you, make, do you use cream or milk? or? I what? actually use milk, whole milk and okay. butter. Okay. Sounds and good. always garlic confit. <laughs> oh, man. I, don't, I wish I met you like uh, a couple of years back because that garlic confit is my new secret weapon. And well, by only the my... way, my roasted garlic <laughs> mashed potato recipe on my website, which I posted, you know, for Thanksgiving this year, also includes some miso. Speaking of miso, miso okay. is like another secret ingredient that adds umami. But I feel like we should have a whole other podcast just about umami. I think I think it's a great idea. Yeah, umami because it's, it's interesting because you'll you'll hear, hear different chefs talk about oh it gives it kind of umami feel or umami flavor, umami this, umami that. I say, <laughs> hey mommy, mommy, come on, where'd you go? So it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Well, listen, Michelle, this is great. You you gave us some really great tips. Um, interesting. And I'm glad that you share so many beautiful dishes, not just because I love the recipes and your approach to food, but also because I think you're really, really helping people develop their, their skills, their style, their sharing of great food uh, with family and friends. And I, I think you're really important uh, to the food world. So I'm really happy you Thank came Thank you here. so much. That is very kind to say. 
I hope you have a great uh, rest of your day and let's talk soon. Absolutely. Have a great day. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check it out at Believe.com. And follow me on Instagram at Patrick Honeywell. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.